Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 578 coming to you on the 7th day of February, the year of our Lord, 2024. And today we're going to be talking about Nimrods among us. Before we get there, let me remind you the best way you can help me to overcome this uh, algorithm game here is to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. That's right. Go to your favorite podcatcher and follow the program, right? Like it. Come join me on the social media of your choice. I do have a page and a um, group over at Facebook. In addition to that, I drop in over at MeWe and Gab. Before we go any further, let me also remind you that if you feel particularly motivated, if you're happy with what I've been doing, if you appreciate it, all you have to do is take two to three minutes out and put a little blurb, you know, a rating or a review does help a lot to overcome things. So today, the uh, issue of the day, if you will, (laughs) we're going to be talking about Nimrods. Now, I got to say, the only Nimrod that I'm familiar with historically was the famed quasi-mythological ruler of Babylon, right? Or Acadia, depending on how you want to look at it. And while they claim there's no evidence to suggest this person existed, it is entirely possible that he was known by a different name. There's lots of evidence to suggest that there were many historical figures that had multiple different names. And just because one specific interpretation of that name uh, was brought into uh, common usage doesn't mean that when you look back in the historical records, you're going to find that. So, again, putting my history degree to good use here, I will freely acknowledge that history is not always accurately reported nor is there always an ability to prove out one text with another text. Sometimes all you have is a single text. And because most historians uh, disdain the Bible and don't trust it, that that would be a biblical source, right? But it's really more of a, um, let's call it an irrelevance. Even if the person didn't exist, even if, you know, all the details are not accurate, it's okay because the Bible usually ends up being proven right anyway after a certain amount of time. But that being said, overlooking all of that, what we know about the mythological Nimrod is he was a great ruler, considered a great hunter, and he did a number of important things, I guess, if you will, when he was the ruler. Now, when you fast forward, and I didn't know this, so this is This is why I want to bring it to your attention because it wasn't, I guess, until Robert E. Lee kind of turned it on its head and referred to somebody sarcastically as Nimrod that that mm, version of it took hold. And of course, my understanding is, according to Wikipedia, take it for what it's worth, it was most assuredly Looney Tunes that popularized the idea of, of calling somebody a Nimrod when they're clearly not good. And it was used against, um, Elmer Fudd. So in any case, I just found that interesting. So we're going to, we're going to talk about a couple of different versions or adaptations and how that plays out today. And we're also going to depart from the normally very Texas centric 
right? Almost local centric tone of this podcast to touch on what I would call both well, let's call it national events and to a, to a degree international. Okay. So come with me now, join me down this path. Okay. So Nimrod number one actually has her, her given name is I believe Nimrada and perhaps I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but we know her better as Nikki Haley, or if you prefer Nimrod Haley, <laughs> new world order, Haley, what, whatever. Um, look, she is a neocon through and through. I have no great love for her, but I got to tell you, it appears now that she's flip-flopping even more than Mitt Romney does. So to me, that was highly interesting and entertaining all at the same time. So the, the latest kerfuffle, if you will, was she'd indicated that a state had a right to secede. In other words, leave the union. And then shortly thereafter, she says, well, of course, I didn't mean that. So... I'm not really sure how that works because perhaps she didn't get the memo. Perhaps she didn't get the proper programming in her education in the United States, but we have been taught from a young age that you can never leave the union. Not stupid. And there's direct evidence to su suggest and States otherwise, but that's what our programming has been. Well, this was solved by the civil war. They say, you know, subjugating another group of people that don't want to be ruled by you. That solves everything. That makes everything right. You also know this is might makes right. And then when that's not sufficient enough to convince you, they throw out a politically motivated court case by eight people in black robes. And I believe the finding was six to two, but even if it's eight to two, don't know, don't care. The court justices had to justify the fact that the United States went at war with itself to quote, preserve the union, Right. So they, they had to post uh, this event, justify their behavior, which is to say, well, we know you wanted to go your own way, you know, form your own little country, the Confederacy, if you will. But now that we've stopped you, now that we forced you into this uh, lifelong, indissolvable marriage of sorts, uh, we're going to make sure that you understand that not only are we telling you you can never leave, you can never do anything about it, and there's no other further options for you. Now, in the past, I've referred to this as forcing an abused wife to stay with her husband, or vice versa, if you prefer, or, or even still, you're maintaining that abused children can't flee. I mean, this is it's a moral equivalent here, right? And, you know, I got to say, the fact that <laughs> Nikki got it right the first time probably does have something to do with the fact that she doesn't understand her own talking points, which I guess falls into the idea where the pejorative term Nimrod actually comes into play, right? Somebody that actually is foolish, that, that doesn't understand things. Now, so, just as an aside, this is the second time she's done something related to civil war era politics. So for somebody that was a governor of South Carolina of all places, you would think she would at least have a passing knowledge of this part of history and understand how important it was to her home state of South Carolina, which I will also say she really did a poor job of running that state caving to 
some political correct nonsense when she really had no reason to do so. But of course, that's just my opinion on the matter. And so be it. All right. But while we're on the topic of people that clearly don't know what they're talking about, uh, it's come to my attention that there's been several articles directly related to that and, and in part responding to Haley's uh, assertions and to a lesser extent, the actions of my governor basically stating that no, 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 the Supreme court said you can't do these things. Oh, and by the way, anytime the federal government says something that what they said is immediately Supreme and you can't question it, you can't push back against it, which again, this is coming from a guy, the, the grand neocon, right? The, the boomer con daddy of all, television back of the day on Fox news, Bill O'Reilly. And quite frankly, I would have expected more from him. Uh, my expectations of Bill O'Reilly is occasionally he gets things wrong, but you don't mess up something as big as this. Now I know this guy's probably got some dislocated love for Abraham Lincoln. That's inexcusable in my opinion, but that's fine. But even Abe Lincoln was honest about what he was doing. He was preserving the union. He was not going to let those people go and do their own thing because he didn't give them permission. So, I mean, this is the kind of thing we're dealing with because we've had, I don't know, let's call it 150 years plus of reprogramming of people, of telling people they don't have these options, of telling them that the federal courts are supreme, that the... <sighs> The folks in D.C., they rule the country by fiat. You can do nothing. That state power is meaningless. When in fact, it's the exact opposite. In fact, the thing is, Article 1, Section 10, right? States that we're going to give these powers to the federal government and everything else stays reserved to us. And oh, by the way, in that article, it states that these are specific things that the states can't do. Right. So in Article one, Section 10, it says the states cannot do these things in there is not anything that prevents or says they may not or shall not leave the union. And everybody understood this up until the Civil War, the war between the states, the war of northern aggression. Well, however you want to phrase it, everybody knew this. Even the Yankees knew it. They just didn't care. They went and subjugated the South. Now, in fairness, you can say, well, they took the first shot. Okay, fine. Fort Sumter was fired on. Okay. South Carolina got a little hot under the collar and did something. That's called they were provoked and perhaps they overreacted. Or perhaps they told Abraham Lincoln, if you resupply Fort Sumter, we're going to see that as an aggressive action and we're going to respond in kind, which of course is all that, you know, honest Abe needed, right? Well, how dare you? We're going to invade. And then they assumed it was going to be a quick and easy war because, you know, well, we're the union and the union's all powerful. We're going to just do whatever we want. That didn't work out so well. 6,000. Or six, I'm sorry, 600,000 that we know about were killed in the war and potentially another 600,000 to a million people died as a result of the war, but nobody cares. And then the military occupation and the radical Republicans that took charge of the government 
punished and continuously punished the South, those states that dared to leave the Union, right? The battered wife, they abused her some more, if you will. And then they made them sign documents stating, well, we're going to agree to all these different things. We're, we're going to basically give up a number of rights and authorities that we previously had because you defeated us. It's as if they metaphorically and realistically actually held a gun to their head and said, you must do these things. Now, one of the interesting things, and again, if you don't believe me, go listen to Brian McClanahan. He has covered this extensively, but, or for that matter, you can go check out Chris Ann Hall. She's talked about a lot of this as well. As a matter of fact, I would take my bachelor's degree in political science and history with, I don't know, a couple of dozen episodes worth of Brian McClanahan shows and for that matter, Chris Ann Hall shows, and I would put myself up against a lot of people, a lot. I don't care if you've got a master's or a doctorate. I feel like I could probably hold my own in a discussion on this issue. Now, you're probably going to know more details. You're probably going to have some obscure date or quote. And quite frankly, I don't care. The principal issue is this is the way this is supposed to work. This is the way it was understood. And just because you force somebody to do something by beating them up doesn't make it so. So this is the kind of thing we're dealing with. So O'Reilly said, because you lost a war, tough luck, we, we changed the rules, even though they, in fact, didn't change the rules. And the same uh, Supreme Court, you know, what was it, 1869, said, well, because we beat you in a war and because we're not going to allow you to say you can leave on your own, however, we can kick you out if we want to, uh, because we have to prove out and justify the fact that we didn't let you come back into the union after they, we told you you'd never left the union. Are you getting confused yet? You can't leave the union, but we're not going to let you come back in the union unless you agree to do these things that you don't want to do in the first place. But again, let's just gloss over that. Pretend it never happened. Bill O'Reilly, Nikki Haley. The reality is there's a whole lot of things that went on. And look, I'm not looking to justify anybody's behavior or anybody's actions from, uh, I don't know, any time before I was born or, or since I was born for that matter, because I had no control, no knowledge. I didn't even exist prior to 1970. So what is it that you want me to feel guilty for or ashamed of or whatever? I don't, I don't. This is the way the world was and is in many places still today, but because Somebody wants to virtue signal. Somebody wants to rewrite our history. Doesn't mean I'm just going to pretend they're right. I'm, I'm not going to pretend they're telling the truth when they're very clearly not. They're being nimrods. Okay. Now, if we could flip this on its head for just a second, right? We have somebody that is trying to act as if they are a nimrod. But in this case, it would be the other alternative version, right? The tyrant or the strong, excellent hunter, right? That'd be our, our Governor Abbott. Now, look, I have mixed feelings about the guy, not a major supporter, but I will take him over any Democrat. And quite frankly, he's probably among the top five governors. I might have said top three at some point. Who knows? Doesn't really matter. He's not a bad governor by any measure, but he's not a good governor. He's just the less bad one. But he is doing the right thing. He is playing a game here with the feds that he should and can win. And I applaud him for finally doing something. But really the question is why now 
Why did you ignore this for three years? Why did you tolerate an invasion, which we all understand it's an invasion, no matter what the press, the Nimrods in the press say, our Nimrod said, well, hey, guess what? Um, we're not going to do this anymore. And you made us take out our floaties. So we're going to put down some razor wire. And no, we're not going to take down our razor wire because this is on state owned territory. But it's only for two miles. The other, you know, 1200 miles or whatever it is completely undefended. You guys can do whatever you want feds because, you know, I'm just going to pretend to make a show here that I'm doing something and I'm standing on principle when all the while we're getting hundreds of thousands of people coming into Texas uninvited up a large portion of them up to no good. Now, I'm not going to make the mistake of calling them out as, you know, this, that, and the other thing, like the former, maybe soon to be again, President Trump. But I want you to realize that a lot of these people that are coming here are not coming here for good things. They're not coming here because they're refugees. They're not coming here to take care of their families. Now, some of them are. Some of them are, yes, but not the majority. Not, not all these people coming over from, oh, I don't know, Africa, China, Asia, whatever. They're not coming across the Southern border because they're up for good things. They're not coming here for a better life because if they were, they would do it legally. They would do it with the proper process. But we're supposed to believe that our governor Abbott is doing the good right thing here. And we're supposed to rally around him. And we brought the truckers down and we got all the people worked up and we're going to show up with our guns. Yeah. We're going to hold the line. Okay. I wish that were true. Now, I would like for the governor to say, hey, I want you all to rally around the border. I'm going to grant authority or amnesty or whatever the appropriate thing is to any and all able-bodied citizens of Texas that come here to defend the border and augment the Texas State Guard and the Texas National Guard. But he hasn't done that. Although he did correctly point out that, well, actually, uh, resident Biden, you don't have the authority to go ahead and federalize the national guard for just any old thing. The national guard actually works for the state of Texas. And while you can nationalize them for specific things, you haven't listed or stated any one specific thing or why you could do that justifiably. So, I mean, I guess that's good, but when you've got one weffer against another weffer, you'll excuse me if I'm not going to be excited and dancing in the street that we're going to win the last thing coming down the pike. I'm not feeling very confident. Not about this. I feel confident about a lot of other things, but I don't feel good about this. Some of this is show, to be sure. Some of this is about the election, to be sure. Some of this is just people finally had enough and the 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 idea was bounced off the governor well if you don't do something some of these other people might do it so they're they're taking charge and leading the parade away from the target if you will right they're they're creating an alternative action here i don't think they're doing it for our benefit you know we saw this play out in the tea party right you had these transplanted leaders show up to lead us astray to dissolve our bonds to make us ineffective i don't think this is anything different but again, I want to caution you, don't do anything foolish. Don't do anything stupid. Don't pick a fight that we can't win. I, I know maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe, maybe I'm out of line to even say that in the first place. But the reality is, if the Army or the Air Force or the Marine Corps actually were to take sides and say, no, we're going to come put this down, I don't think it's going to end well. Now, undoubtedly, some of these 
you know, tough guys out on the border. They may take some of those people down with them. But at the end of the day, they're all going to end up dead or in prison or both <laughs> imprisoned and then dead. Right. And they're going to take it out after your families, after other people that, you know, your known associates. They're going to go all in on this. If you doubt me, just look at what they've done with the January 6th people, you know, that mostly peaceful protest where they toured the uh, state capitol without appropriate blessings and they're being hunted down like vicious terrorists. Meanwhile, the borders open and vicious terrorists are literally pouring across the border and nobody cares. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. They're choosing their battles. They're they're creating their own enemies and they see a much bigger batter enemy and those of us that are right of center that actually live here and are citizens in good standing than the hundreds of thousands of people that are just showing up at our doorstep. So what are you going to do? Well, resident Biden, you know, he tells you there's no problem. Secretary Mayorkas says the border is secure. Secretary Mayorkas, who still has a job for reasons I am an utter loss at, has been downplaying any of the drama or anything going on. All the while, resident Biden is being shown to be worse than we ever thought. And nobody does anything. Nobody cares. This is mighty suspicious to me. It ought to be suspicious to you as well. So now, now that I've laid this all out for you, now, now that I've basically called out the Nimrods, one, the, the one named Nimrada, the one that's acting like a little petty tyrant, but mostly for show, Abbott, and then the legitimate dummies in this equation, which would be multiple news people, including our man Bill O'Reilly and resident Biden, we're stuck with this problem. That's not going to resolve itself. It's not going to go away. It's going to be a continuing issue. Now, there are things we can do. There are things that can make a difference. Today is not the day that I'm going to go into it. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of my previous shows, go back and listen to one of them. You'll see that I have faith. I, I have hope that there's a way through this. There's something on the other side. But the reality is we have to be very careful. Don't do anything stupid. I'm not saying don't do anything at all. I'm not saying that you should turn a blind eye. I'm not saying you should be okay with this. I'm just saying don't do anything you can't take back. So now let me give you a moment to consider what could we do? So the governor can and has the authority to call up the state guard, call up the national guard, basically create a militia and task them with the job of securing the border, task them to lay out the boundaries on our side of the Rio Grande. The, the state has the power through eminent domain, if nothing else to say, we're going to take away a 12 foot stretch across the entirety of this border, if we must, you know, bumping around whatever federal land may or may not be there, bumping around, you know, in uh, immovable obstacles. And we're going to handsomely pay the people that own the land for the duty to protect the line. And while we might not be able to put up a wall, we're going to put up a fence. We're going to put up a barrier. We're going to put up sensors. We're going to take the most basic minimal steps on how to protect the border. Now, if it were up to me 
and it was 1950, the easiest way to solve this would be put in a bunch of landmines, put up a sign that says there are landmines here, don't cross. But apparently that's against the Geneva Convention and people frown on that kind of thing now. And honestly, it's not a militarized border. I'm not looking to make it a militarized border, though maybe we could justify that it should be. I'm just looking at how can we secure it and funnel people to specific locations where we can properly vet them, determine who they are, what they want, and then make them wait their turn to be properly processed before we let them into the country. I'm not good with the idea that they just get to come here. We give them a phone and a date when they're going to show up for court. Yeah, like that's ever going to happen. I'm really not good with the idea that you got here and we're going to put you on a plane or a bus and send you somewhere else in the interior of the United States. I mean, if we're going to take the time and effort to do that, why don't we send them somewhere else? Let's send them down to Brazil or Chile or Argentina. I mean, wouldn't that be more beneficial, particularly if they're from Honduras, Guatemala, Belize, right? Costa Rica. Um, anywhere south of Mexico, let's send them there. Why do we need that here? Now, look, I already can hear some of you. You know how I feel about this. I work with a lot of Latin guys. I like them all. Most of the guys that I work with, I have no doubt have come here for the real reasons and proper reasons. Maybe the paperwork wasn't always right at some point in the past, but they're good and they're doing the right things now. And that's all I care about. But that doesn't deal with the larger issue we have here. People come from the Middle East, coming from China, come from other parts of the world that aren't declaring themselves. They're passing through with the hordes of people that are coming from, let's face it, not good places, maybe for legitimate reasons. And they're blending in. I mean, there's video of known terrorists coming here and we're doing nothing. Hey, but don't worry. We're hunting down those people that uh, are living in middle America that took an unscheduled tour at the Capitol. You know, the greatest threat to humanity and democracy ever. Don't worry. We're protecting you. But we're not doing a darn thing about known terrorists. People that come here with evil intent and the ability and the desire to see a bunch of dead people because, well, apparently they don't subscribe to their version of Islam or whatever. Don't know. Don't care. At this point, let's just say I'm over what the motivation is and just say I don't have time for that. If you're coming here because you want a better life, I feel your pain. I really do. I left Wisconsin to come to Texas because I wanted a better life. So I totally get that. But you have a proper process to do that. Please do so. Wait your turn. Now, apparently we don't have quotas anymore. You know, okay, fine. Fine. Maybe we, maybe we come up with a new plan here. I don't know what that is, but what I can tell you is open borders are not it. What I can tell you is shipping people all over the United States at my expense is not it. Putting people up in nice hotel rooms while kicking out veterans and doing other stupid stuff, I'm not good with that either. But that's the world we live in. And I'd like to say that, oh, it's uh, Democrat bad. But it's really not because the conservatives don't do anything. The Republicans sell us out all the time. And I say that as a quote unquote conservative Republican. I see this firsthand. Just put a little grease on that palm and I'll just pretend there's nothing wrong here. Can we go start a war overseas? Hey, where's our chief neocon? Oh, hey, Nikki. Um, we've got a war now going on in Israel, one in Ukraine. Uh, can we get one in uh, somewhere else in the Middle East? Oh, Yemen? Yeah, I like that. Let's let's go and let's go invade Yemen now. Or maybe somewhere else on the Gulf of Oman. Oh, well, 
yeah, I know that they're having a problem with um, Guiana and uh, Venezuela. That'd be great, too. Let's get that started up. Oh, uh, yeah, don't worry. Uh, China's not quite ready to take back Taiwan, but we'll create a few more distractions. What the heck? What kind of crazy world do we live in? Why are we going around starting stuff that we don't have the ability to fix? Why in the world aren't we dealing with the things that we actually need to fix that should be the highest priority? We've talked about this many, many times. We live in a clown world. And quite frankly, in the modern parlance, Nimrod would be king of the clowns. All hail king of the clowns. What are you going to do? Hey, don't worry. I'll be back Thursday and Friday. I'll try and have something positive and something to look forward to. Until then, I will see you on the other side.